Jalen and Jacoby, the after show is presented by ADT, real protection. And now, Jalen and Jacoby. Welcome to Jalen and Jacoby, the after show. We are joined by the director of Long Gone Summer, AJ Schnock. AJ, congratulations. Loved watching that film. What does it feel like to have the film finally be seen by the world? Uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, been a long journey to get to this point, and it feels like a total miracle to, to have finished um, with the pandemic and working separately with all of my team. Uh, so finally being able to get the film done and get it to ESPN, it uh, feels like a huge accomplishment. Why did you decide to start the doc with the actual baseballs that Martin McGuire hit? Well, it was in part because we, when we met Todd McFarlane, uh, the, the great comic book artist, uh, entrepreneur who, uh, who bought all the balls or a bunch of the balls, including, uh, number 70, uh, I just love the way he talked about the home run and how it is something that really connects baseball fans to the game in a way that you don't get in any other sport. Uh, so as soon as we like walked out of, of interviewing him, I, I turned to my producer and said, you know, that's the beginning of the film is him talking about what the home run in baseball means and how it connects fans. Uh, it's a direct contact between McGuire's bat and the, and the person who catches it. Um, so that was, uh, that was great. And also has sort of the other, uh, bonus, uh, positive thing of, of reminding you that someone paid more than $3 million <laughs> for a baseball. Uh, that's wow. how big this was. Uh, that's how much this like took over the country that someone would, would go to that extent uh, to, to own that ball. Yeah. I mean, when watching that scene and sort of to reiterate what you said, having him explain how when Michael Jordan hits a shot and wins the championship, they go and bring him the basketball. And if, if a quarterback breaks a record with a pass, they sort of bring him the football. But with the home run, you literally hit it into the stands and you never see it again. And it was sort of a, a way that the, a fan can take home a piece of the game in baseball that they can't in other, any other way that happens with the home run. But then you, you hear him sort of articulate this. And then the question is asked, how much did you pay for it? And it was just so much money that I immediately <laughs> wanted to know, how does this, how much are they paying people that write their comic book illustrators nowadays? Like, what is the going rate for a comic book illustrator? <laughs> how can this man afford this multi-million dollar baseball? I mean, Spawn was very successful, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he, he spent basically every penny he owned. Um, and, you know, I, I think in part he did it because he uh, he wanted to get into uh, the business of making action figures for, for sports. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that happened. I mean, he basically, th- that was his way of getting everyone's attention and saying like, Hey, I'm serious. I care about sports. Uh, let me make uh, action figures. And, uh, and he did. I, so I think it, it, it was not only something that he wanted to do. One thing that didn't make the film, which I, 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 I tried to find a way to put it in, but he talked about how, um, his brothers are all baseball fans and that one of the key uh, excitements for him in getting the balls was just to be able to say, I've got the baseball. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, you got $3 million for that. God bless you. I know that's right. The kid, sweet swinging lefty King Griffey Jr. One of my favorite players growing up is why I carry it back to this day was more of a factor to happen with Sosa and Maguire than people actually realize. Can you acknowledge how his performance affected them? 
Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I mean, one of the crazy things I think about that season was that people really went into it from spring training thinking that either McGuire or Junior were going to break this record. Um, Both of them had hit in the high 50s the year before. This was an expansion year. Um, Everyone just thought, like, this is going to happen and went into the the season thinking that. Uh, And, you know, Griffey was, was in it, you know, right I mean, I, th- I think if you even remember that Griffey was in it, you forget that he was in it until late August when he had kind of a, a long slump. I think he only hit one one home run in like 20 games and he still hits, you know, high 50s, uh, you know, which is a tremendous season that gets overlooked by what happened with McGuire and, and Sosa. But certainly, yeah, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. had an amazing year that year and uh, it was, you know, in addition to to all the stuff we remember of Sosa and, and Maguire, he was he was hitting the ball a long way. And Maguire was sort of famously one of the Bash brothers, and he had a great career while he was in Oakland with the Athletics. And Sammy Sosa wasn't as celebrated as a baseball player. And he said something in the film that really hit a chord with me. He said, quote, I had to continue hitting because if not, they're not going to mention me. Why did you include that and emphasize that? And what did that mean to you from Sammy? I mean, I, I, I thought it was great that Sammy acknowledged that he wanted the respect he thought he deserved. And he does that a few times, I think, in the film. And, you know, I mean, that's sort of a lighthearted way of like saying, like, you know, I, I, I turned on SportsCenter at night and, you know, if I don't hit a home run, like they're not going to mention me. Um, he wanted to be mentioned. He wanted to be acknowledged. And I think that, you know, one of the things I hope that the film does is Sammy wasn't that well known outside of Chicago um, before 98, but uh, that's in part because the Cubs weren't very good, but the, the, Sammy was, was a great player for the Cubs. I mean, a 30, 30 guy, first 30, 30 guy ever in, in Cubs history. He was a top home run hitter in the national league for years. Um, there was one year where he was, you know, on track to get close to the record, um, but was injured in, in August. So, um, you know, it was a goal to sort of uh, illuminate the fact that Sammy wasn't just somebody who like, uh, jumped out of nowhere in in June of 1998. That, that he he meant something in Chicago before that. In playing in Chicago, the weather can be a factor. Do you believe it played as much of a factor as Sammy Sosa states? I mean, all I can tell you is that we were there in May of last year to shoot the the St. Louis Chicago series, and it was mm. like earlyish May, and it snowed one morning. Um, mm. and I was just like, you know, I grew up in Southern Illinois outside of St. Louis and I love Chicago. I think Chicago is great, but I was just like, hell no. Like I, I could not do this. Um, no way. Um, and being at the game, it was cold and it was rainy and it was just like damp. And it was like, you know, this is, this is football weather or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, you know, he, he, uh, I believe him when he says he's he was a hitter that did better when it got warm uh, and not that good of a hitter in, in the cold. Uh, you know, you could certainly see that that would be th- the case, uh, which, again, I think is also in the film. You'll see, you know, one of the things that makes uh, Kerry Woods 20 strikeout game all the more impressive is that he's, he's doing it on one of those May days. And the, the rain is coming down as he's going through like, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15 uh, strikeouts that day. So, uh, yeah, it's weather in, in, in Wrigley, I think, is probably no joke. Um, 
with all of what's happening in our society, in the world, not just in our country today, we kind of have to look at things and stories and history and currently through the filter of race. And how do you think race played a role in this particular story of uh, Maguire and Sosa in that summer? I think that people wanted to feel good about uh, the fact that they liked uh, this uh, battle between these two guys who were from different cultures, different countries, um, and different races. Uh, I think that that probably made people want to pat themselves on the back for feeling so good about it. Um, you know, I think in part, there were still memories of what had happened to Hank Aaron and sort of the, the ugliness uh, when he was uh, setting the uh, all-time home run record. Um, so people felt like, wow, you know, look at how far we've come to to celebrate and get excited about the fact that this could be um, a, a champion, a home run record that was held by either of these two guys. There's a somewhat famous cartoon uh, where the two of them are, are depicted with their bats and a wall has been broken and the wall says racism. You know, like that the two of them had finally solved this problem, that they'd beaten it. Um, and I, I think that that is, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those times uh, when, you know, people have, have wanted to congratulate themselves for reaching a certain uh, threshold. And, and clearly all of those uh, congratulations were, were way premature um, and we're still, we're still fighting for it. I hope that p- the people um, look at this though, as, as the story of these two champions and, and can get some excitement out of the fact that they did come from different backgrounds and, and they have very different stories. And as you mentioned, the racial dynamic of these celebrated athletes who are having historic seasons, who just so happen to be from different uh, races and backgrounds, as the story progressed, it seemed like McGuire was forgiven by baseball and given another job and celebrated a lot more than Sammy Sosa. Did you guys discuss this? Yeah, I mean, I think Sammy really wants to go back to Chicago, so he doesn't want to speculate too much on the the reasons why um, he's not been invited back. Um, I don't know what's going on with Cubs ownership. I can only say that it's uh, it's a it's a situation unlike any uh, else in baseball. I can't think of another team that has a, a legacy, uh, all century player, a superstar who made millions and millions of dollars was the franchise player for years. Um, not welcome back. And, uh, you know, bonds is welcome in the, in San Francisco. Mark is more than welcome in both. He's in the hall of fame in St. Louis and in Oakland. They put a statue of Pete Rose outside of uh, the Reds stadium. I don't get it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully if the film maybe can, push a little bit towards a resolution of that. Sammy deserves to be recognized for all the great things he did in his career. Um, you know, look, everybody's, nobody's perfect. And there are probably moments he wishes he had back. I know he wishes he had back the last day of the, the 2004 season. Um, but, you know, he, he did a lot for that franchise and that organization. And uh, I'll look forward to the day that he's back in Wrigley Field. Now, you mentioned that Sammy won't speculate about it, and you said you don't know what's up with Cubs ownership, but in your opinion, and you've obviously researched this topic a lot more than other people have, why do you think there is this gap? And before you answer that question, one thing I want to acknowledge is, 
like the last dance and Lance and be water. And now this, one of the great things it does, it takes these moments that you have memories of and sort of fills the gaps. And one thing about the legacy of this summer and these two athletes is I forgot that Sammy Sosa was still not acknowledged and have a working relationship with the Cubs franchise. So now I want you to answer, why do you think the Cubs have not welcomed back Sammy Sosa to Wrigley Field? Sometimes I think you get into a position where you, you take a position and you don't really see what the end result of that position is going to be. And then you just stick your ground. And the reasons why you're sticking your ground are unclear. I think that they got into a decision, maybe particularly after McGuire talked about his steroid use uh, before coming back to the Cardinals, that this was somehow uh, a requirement uh, that Sosa talk about steroids Um which I want to be absolutely clear as we do in the film, there's no evidence that Sammy Sosa used steroids. There's no smoking gun. There was a survey, anonymous survey test in baseball where a lot of players were supposedly tested positive uh, that was seen by the New York times and then reported on. Uh, aside from that, we have, we have no secondhand stories. There's no testimony from other players. Nobody has said that they know that Sammy did this and he has always said that he didn't. So it's a very unusual situation for uh, the ownership, which were not the owners at the time, Sammy did, you know, never played for the current Cubs ownership. Uh, it's unusual, I think, for them to uh, take this position. I think they maybe, you know, if you look at it generously, that they took the position after um, Mark did uh, what he did to come back to the Cardinals. Maybe they thought, like, that's what uh, Sammy needs to do. Uh, I think we're well past the time now for them to be just kind of digging their heels in. Um, you know, it, this, there's no magic words for Sammy to say uh, it's time for him to come back. You wanted to make sure that you capture the Roger Maris moment because obviously his accomplishments in baseball and people flirting and then ultimately breaking his records were obviously uh, carried with controversy. So acknowledge what it was like shooting the Roger Maris moment. Well, that was just a big moment for me. I mean, um, I, you know, a lot of how I feel about baseball is my relationship with my dad. You know, he taught me how to keep score. He, uh, mm. he'd say, get in the station wagon, let's drive around the cornfields of Southern Illinois and listen to Jack Buck and Mike Shannon on the radio. Um, it got into that moment. You saw Mark lifting Matt up, you know, having his son there all the time. You, uh, you had both Jack Buck and Joe Buck on the, on the radio together. You had Chip Carey, grandson of Harry Carey taking over that legacy. Um, and then you had, uh, this family, um, who had a father who wasn't celebrated the way he should have been in his time to the extent that as Roger Maris Jr. says in the film, he kind of wishes he hadn't done it. Um, and so that to me, watching it in 1998, that was that all of those things about fathers and sons, that was huge to me. I mean, you know, I lost my dad when I was in high school to watch that season, um, like brought back my memories of watching baseball with him. And it was hugely emotional. Um, and, and that was a big reason why I wanted to make the film. So including the Maris moments were probably some of the most, um, heartfelt for me, emotional for me, because, uh, making sure that those familial connections and what they mean to baseball generations passing down their knowledge and love of the game to the next generation. You know, I've taught my daughter how to keep score. 
um, you know, that's, that's, that's a big part of, uh, of why baseball remains a, a part of the fabric of America, I think. I think you just articulated why that moment was emotional to me because it's sort of like the picture. I mean, a lot of people have relationships with their parents, not just sons and fathers, but sons and, I mean, you know, fathers and daughters and daughters and mothers and sons and mothers. A lot of people have a relationship with their parents through the game of baseball. As I remember watching baseball with my dad growing up as well, you did a really good job capturing that through that sort of moment. And that will always be remembered. But I think that people, fans, sports fans will always remember this summer and this home run race through the filter of, oh, they were using PEDs the whole time. I think that sort of the, the legacy of this summer and this home run race is, oh, yeah, but there's an asterisk on that because they were all on PEDs. Everyone was on PEDs in baseball at that time. Do you think that that, that is a, a fair assessment or fair to the legacy of this home run race? I, not quite. I, you know, I think, look, we have to understand that different eras of baseball have had um, different things that have made them less than perfect. Um, and, uh, if you want to talk about a notation or an asterisk to a variety of achievements and records, um, you can go back to the fact uh, that it was an all white league. They didn't travel uh, as far as they would later on. Um, they didn't have as many games. Uh, they were taking greenies and amphetamines in the dugout. I mean, you can go through a lot of, of stuff. One of the things we tried to, to do in the film, uh, was, to just make sure that people don't put what they know about people's reaction to steroids now into that frame of the nineties. Um, there was no official rule. Um, there was no penalty. There was no testing. People were taking supplements openly things that some things which were not uh, legal in other sports, some things which were, uh, which are, you know, just questionable because no one knew what their, their efficacy was. Um, that was where we were. We were in a, in an interesting time when a, a sort of gym culture took over, um, you know, uh, baseball. I mean, I, I grew up with the eighties Cardinals. You look at those teams now, they're so skinny. You can't believe that they can run around the base. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it, it was a time period and, and, um, I think to put today's, understanding of what was going on and just say like, well, everybody knew that it was bad and everyone knew that it was wrong and it was prohibited. Um, it wasn't, I mean, people didn't know. They didn't know that there was this memo. There was a memo. Like that was the official thing is that someone wrote a memo. Um, and that was it. Um, so I, I think, you know, people have to understand it. Look, you know, I think that in sports, hot takes are a First Amendment right, you know, and certainly people mm -hmm. can still say like, you know, I don't like that team or I don't like that guy or he's not my guy. Um, and so therefore, like he's a cheater and whatever. But um, I think I think uh, I think people need to look at, at what was really happening at the time um, and, and do understand that this was also like this was an expansion year. Um, stadiums were starting to get reconfigured to be like more favorable to hitters. Um, there's some, uh, evidence that maybe the ball was wound a little bit tighter than like it is, I think now. Um, so that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, the home runs might've been jumping up a bit in the nineties. And I, I think to, to attribute it all to steroids is if you really look at it scientifically, um, probably not, not the case. Do you feel like at this point after digesting what took place 
that these gentlemen are happy at this point of their lives or are there more accolades and achievements? Do they feel like they deserve to have it taken place? I think uh, Sammy's happy in the business uh, that he's built for himself. He's happy in his family. Um, he uh, he and his wife uh, started another round of, of kids <laughs> um, somewhat recently. <laughs> um, and he has a grandchild. Um, you know, I, obviously he wants to go back to Chicago. I mean, he wants to be recognized for his achievements. He wants to be respected. Um, I think he feels that the ongoing questions are, are a lack of respect. And he feels he's answered them and uh, that it's time for, for him to, to get to go to Chicago, which he loves and which he feels, you know, uh, made him who he is as a man and as a player. Uh, you know, Mark was able to go back to baseball. He had uh, an almost 10-year career as a coach. Um, by all uh, accounts, talking to players who played for him as a coach, um, that he was an excellent coach. Um, he was a guy who was not showy. It was very difficult for us to even find photos of him uh, as a coach. Um, he just wanted to be around the game. And he left the game. Uh, he retired from the Padres as their bench coach uh, to go and be with his kids. Uh, his sons are in high school and are playing baseball. So um, I think he makes his decisions as he wants to make them, and he's he's at peace. Um, at peace with that. And, but I know it meant a great deal to him both to be welcomed back to the Cardinals, to be in their hall of fame and also to the A's uh, to be in their hall of fame and to be appreciated by both of those clubs and their fan bases. I always say in life that we don't celebrate enough. And I think that you deserve to celebrate. You made an amazing film, a 30 for 30 and it aired on ESPN. The world loved it. You can see it's trending on Twitter and you did it. You know, they can never take that away from you. There will be no asterisks on this film. You directed an excellent 30 for 30. Congratulations. Celebrate a little bit tonight before you start worrying about the next projects and everything else. Uh, will do. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When it matters most, trust ADT. Now more than ever, you need peace of mind with 24-7 rapid response monitoring from the leader in home security. Be an everyday hero by staying safe at home while ADT helps protect you and your loved ones. ADT has nine owned and operated U.S.-based monitoring centers and the largest security network in the U.S. ADT takes protecting your health seriously. Rest assured, all ADT employees are taking critical measures to help protect everyone's health, including offering contactless installation and using extra protective and sanitation tools. You can protect now, pay later with low, flexible monthly payments to fit your budget. So help protect your home today with ADT. Caroli, husband and wife, and what a coaching team they are. I will say this about the Crowleys. They've done amazing things for gymnastics in this country. They did amazing things. Gold and silver medalist for Team USA. Terry Strong has won the gold medal standing on one leg. The gold medal goes to Mary Lou Redden. Oh, my God. I can't express the feeling. Good God. They are two of the hardest working individuals in the sport of gymnastics. Normal out, strong legs, good. Bella was the guy with the thick accent that was giving these big bear hugs. I was a little tiny curl and he was like big. He looked to me like a mountain. Can't do it. 
Marta is definitely one of the most intimidating people I've ever seen in my life. Every time her eyes were on you, you knew that you, you had to hit whatever you were doing. She was the decider of our fate. They kept having more and more success. Get the gold medals ready again. The problem was because they went unchecked. Heavy Metals, Inside the Caroli Gymnastics Empire. A seven-part series reported by me, Alyssa Ronick, and ESPN senior writer, Bonnie Ford. Coming July 14th from 30 for 30 Podcasts in association with ESPNW. want to thank AJ Schnock again for not just joining us on the program, but also for directing such a great film and forever memorializing what a wonderful summer that was for baseball. Jalen, one thing that he said that was also in the film, which I want to talk to you about, was this fact. Sammy Sosa, there are no receipts that he used PEDs. Now, there was... There was one, as you mentioned, there's a New York <laughs> Times report where they said a lot of people tested positive. There's a list of about 155, 54 names. And I don't, I don't know if Sosa was among that list, but he never tested positive. He was never suspended. Yet, history doesn't remember him that way. And not just history, but I don't remember him that way. I assume Sammy Sosa was using performance-enhancing drugs. I assume Sammy Sosa was breaking a rule of some kind, yet my assumptions were wrong. Do you think it's fair that he, in particular, is remembered as someone who was on PEDs, although he has never truly been caught or tested positive? I think he deserves to be remembered as somebody that was on PEDs because the one thing that you seem to be ignoring is the eye test. And what about how his helmet size increased? What about how his muscles enlarged and he started to look like the Incredible Hulk? What about that part of the game? And however, what you just said is profound. It was not illegal in baseball. So, therefore, I have to agree with your assessment. While a guy didn't test positive in any way, shape, or form, didn't get suspended, you can make sure you punish him in the court of public opinion. And even if you decide not to put him in the Hall of Fame, but the Chicago Cubs should acknowledge him. They should be giving him love, Jacoby. You know, and I think it's interesting. We see this week earlier, USC has announced that they're going to sort of like end their disassociation with Reggie Bush. And we need Sammy Sosa to be acknowledged and celebrated in the city of Chicago that he did so much for the way that he deserves. And yourself, I think you and Juwan and Chris and Jimmy and Ray and the entire Fab Five definitely need to be not just acknowledged by the University of Michigan, but we need a statue. We need some sort of banner. And I feel like you're tired of saying this, so I have to say it for you, but you deserve this. Like, what what, what did Sammy Sosa do to deserve to be sort of like a like a like like blackballed from Wrigley Field, the place where he worked, a place where he made millions, a place where he brought so much joy to that fan base in that city. And why does the Fab Five why can't the Fab Five have a statue or have a banner or be actually acknowledged? Now, with Jawan as the head coach of the Fab Five, do you think we will see the statue and the banner in Ann Arbor? I think you'll see it happen. I just hope we're not old and walking out there with canes when it does or something happens tragic to one of us 
So then people feel bad and decide they want to do it. Kind of like the climate that we're dealing with right now with the civil unrest. And for those who are old enough to remember, just like Muhammad Ali, there was a time that you either loved the Fat Five or you hated the Fat Five. And my distinction was the people who liked rap music liked us. Mm-hmm. The people who liked Bobby Knight didn't like us. And I understood that then. And as you graduate the stories and watch Muhammad Ali get acknowledged by the United States and carry the torch at the Olympics, I agree with you. I hope this acknowledgement happens and I believe it will. I just hope something catastrophic doesn't have to take place in order to create a sense of urgency for it to take place. Well, I just don't want to see you guys hobbled, wheelchaired, big gray <laughs> afros. And also, like, I know you're going to have a big butt and a big belly when you get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you holding it back now, and you're almost 50. But by the time you get to, like, 75, you ain't going to be hitting the gym anymore. And you're just going to have that big old man belly with a belt. You know, like the, the one that hangs over. The, you, the belly that hangs, you can't see the belt yes. buckle. You can just yes. see the sides of the belt because yes. the roof of the shed is hanging That's over the last furlough, the last oh, 25 from 75 that. on. I don't need 75 to see on. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need to, I don't want to see those Wolverines get celebrated. Like you, you and Chris and Jawan and Jimmy Ray still look like you could like run the park for a couple hours. You know, like I think, you know what we need to do? Here's what we need to do. We need to get y'all to the park. You know what? We can't get you a statue in Ann Arbor. We'll just got to get you to a park. I just want to see you guys can play like an over 40 rec league game as the Fab Five. You know, That'll be dope. I want to see. I'm, well, Ray and Jimmy still hoop, and I know Juwan's still a shape. The Juwan, people they got to worry about is me and C. Webb. They yeah, got to worry about me and him. You and C. Webb were <laughs> the two most explosive players then, the two least explosive <laughs> players now. You know, like, like now it's just that that fundamental Jawan post-up game is going to be so important right now. <laughs> Webb had all the dunks, and, you know, you had all the, the moves, the passes. But now when you're old, that Jawan becomes a lot more valuable. Jawan becomes a lot more valuable. And, and Jimmy's still being skinny and athletic. The tables have turned. The tables have turned. You and Chris, you and Chris, <laughs> Chris holding the team oh, down. Oh man, that's hilarious. We gotta get y'all. But so y'all, I mean, true. like, I know we're joking, but <laughs> if, 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 if the University of Michigan not celebrating you guys the way you deserve is truly just a, it's just a tragedy. And Sammy Sosa sort of drudges up some of those feelings. And another thing I want to talk to you is we conclude this this wonderful run that we've had, um, spending time with all of you on Sunday nights and also listening to the podcast of Every Last Dance episode, the two-part Lance documentary, the B Waters celebrating Bruce Lee, and now Long Gone Summer celebrating uh, Sosa McGuire. And, and you kind of take it, you zoom out, and you look at it macro, you've got names like Michael Jordan and Bruce Lee and Lance Armstrong, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And it really makes you think about how impactful sports is on everyone's lives, but how these men are such a big part of our lives as sports fans, um, more so than authors or educators and everything. And with all the unrest we have right now, you really start to feel how important and influential sports is on pop culture. And these films and just the stories of these people has sort of done that for us as well. Even the Fat Five that we were just discussing, the Fat Five did so much more than 
turn on people of my age to the game of basketball, but so much more in hip hop culture and the, the shorts and the look and the feel and the attitude and the socks. And I wonder, I want to ask you as someone who is a student, not just of basketball and all sports and pop culture, but just of, of a species and culture as a whole, how important and why do you think sports has such an impact on culture? Because it's the one place that a billionaire may be in the building with somebody that makes $40,000 or even is unemployed. Mm -hmm. It becomes the most unique melting pot that we value entertainment in the United States. We pay more for it than we do education. The list goes on and on about services that could use the money, but we want to be entertained. And so as a, as a basketball player and, and, and as a league to continue to not only uplift the game, but also during this time of unrest, it reminded me, Jacoby, when George Floyd tragically got murdered, there weren't any sports. And it forced us to sit down and really evaluate almost nine minutes of what do you think about race relations in your country and in the world and in your household and how a lot of times people over 50, 55 years old saw a different America than the young people, as you mentioned, that love rap music have seen. And so while everybody's in the same building rooting for the same team. I think more so music in particular rap has brought urban America to the suburbs and forced white kids to be loving the fab five and then wearing baggy shorts, wearing black shoes, black socks and Harachis and listening to their favorite rap artist. That's what happens when you combine sports and entertainment and music and the impact it can have on society. Well, Jalen, that is very well put. I want to thank you for joining me every single Sunday and on the podcast to discuss all of these different stories every week. I really appreciate you doing that. All the great directors that joined us on all these shows, I want to thank them as well. And the new 30 for 30 podcast series, Heavy Metals Inside the Caroli Gymnastic Empire, is coming Tuesday, July 14th. No two coaches have done more for women's gymnastics than Bella and Marta Caroli. They coached Nadia Komnich to the first Perfect Ten. They gave America its first gold medal, its first superstar with Mary Lou Retton. They transformed America into gold medal machine. But in doing so, they create a culture of fear and intimidation, one that has left generations of gymnasts to grapple with the heavy cost of all of that success. Heavy Metals Inside the Caroli Gymnastic Empire is a new seven-part podcast series from 30 for 30. The series will be binge-released on July 14th. Make sure you pay attention for that upcoming from 30 for 30. And we are not done with Jalen Jacoby. The Jacoby, after show. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hit the brakes for one second. No, I'm saying goodbye. Hit the brakes for one second. You always do this. Hit the brakes for hit the brakes for one second. No, I'm trying to wrap up the show. Did you, in a nice, eloquent, professional, disciplined way, basically just say to the people that we got fired from the project? 
That's what no, it sounded like to me. No, we didn't get fired. We didn't get fired. That's what it sounded fired. like to me. That's not no no no. They, 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 I was just saying that, that we are on hiatus. We're not canceled. So make sure you stay subscribed to the after show, Jalen and Jacoby. This feed will be active. Uh, Why is that, Jalen Rose? Why is that? We're not done. We're not done. We're not done. Got to give the people.